Section thirty two of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume seven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume seven by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section thirty two. When it was the seven hundred and thirtieth night, she pursued, It has reached me, O auspicious king, that when the caretaker took the two thousand ducats from the princess and returned to the house, all his family rejoiced in him and blessed him who had been the prime cause of this business. Thus it fared with these, but as regards the old woman, she said to the princess, O oh, my lady, this is indeed become a fine place. Never saw I a purer white than its plastering, nor properer than its painting. I wonder if he have also repaired it within. Else hath he made the outside white and left the inside black. Come, let us enter and inspect. So they went in, the nurse preceding, and found the interior painted and gilded in the goodliest way. The princess looked right and left till she came to the upper end of the estrade when she fixed her eyes upon the wall and gazed long and earnestly thereat whereupon the old woman knew that her glance had lighted upon the presentment of her dream and took the two waiting-women away with her that they might not divert her mind when the king's daughter had made an end of examining the painting she turned to the old woman wondering and beating hand on hand and said to her o oh, my nurse come see a wondrous thing which were it graven with needle gravers on the eye-corners would be a warner to whoso will be warned she replied and what is that o oh my lady when the princess rejoined go look at the upper end of the estrade and tell me what thou seest there so she went up and considered the dream drawing and then she came down wondering and said by allah o oh my lady here is depicted the garden and the fowler and his net and the birds and all thou sawest in thy dream and verily nothing but urgent need withheld the male pigeon from returning to free his mate after he had fled her for i see him in the talons of a bird of raven which hath slaughtered him and is drinking his blood and rending his flesh and eating it and this o oh my lady caused his tarrying to return and rescue her from the net but o oh my mistress the wonder is how thy dream came to be thus depicted for wert thou minded to set it forth in painture thou hadst not availed to portray it by allah this is a marvel which should be recorded in histories surely o oh my lady the angels appointed to attend upon the sons of adam knew that the cock-pigeon was wronged of us because we blamed him for deserting his mate so they embraced his cause and made manifest his excuse and now for the first time we see him in the hawk's pounces a dead bird quoth the princess o oh my nurse verily fate and fortune had cause against this bird and we did him wrong quoth the nurse o oh my mistress foes shall meet before allah the most high but o oh my lady verily the truth hath been made manifest and the male pigeon's excuse certified to us for had the hawk not seized him and drunk his blood and rent his flesh he had not held aloof from his mate but had returned to her and set her free from the net but against death there is no recourse nor o oh my lady is there aught in the world more tenderly solicitous than the male for the female among all creatures which almighty allah hath created and especially tis thus with man 
for he starveth himself to feed his wife, strippeth himself to clothe her, angereth his family to please her, and disobeyeth and denieth his parents to endow her. She knoweth his secrets, and concealeth them, and she cannot endure from him a single hour. And he be absent from her one night, her eyes sleep not, nor is there a dearer to her than he. She loveth him more than her parents, and they lie down to sleep in each other's arms, with his hand under her neck, and her hand under his neck. Even as saith the poet, I make my wrist her pillow, and I lay with her in litter. And I said to night be long, while the full moon showed glitter. Ah me, it was a night, Allah never made its like, whose first was sweetest sweet, and whose last bitterest bitter. Then he kisseth her, and she kisseth him, and I have heard of a certain king that, when his wife fell sick and died, he buried himself alive with her, submitting himself to death for the love of her, and the straight companionship which was between them. Moreover, a certain king sickened and died, and when they were about to bury him, his wife said to her people, Let me bury myself alive with him, else will I slay myself, and my blood shall be on your hands. So when they saw that she would not be turned from this thing, they left her, and she cast herself into the grave with her dead husband, of the greatness of her love and tenderness for him. And the old woman ceased not to ply the princess with anecdotes of conjugal love between men and women, till there ceased that which was in her heart of hatred for the sex masculine. And when she felt that she had succeeded in renewing in her the natural inclination of woman to man, she said to her, "'Tis time to go and walk in the garden." So they fared forth from the pavilion, and paced among the trees. Presently the prince chanted to turn, and his eyes fell on Hayat al-Nufus, and when he saw the symmetry of her shape, and the rosy clearness of her cheeks, and the blackness of her eyes, and her exceeding grace, and her passing loveliness, and her excelling beauty, and her prevailing elegance, and her abounding perfection, his reason was confounded, and he could not take his eyes off her. Passion annihilated his right judgment, and love overpassed all limits in him. His vitals were occupied with her service, and his heart was aflame with fire of rapine, so that he swooned away and fell to the ground. When he came to himself, she had passed from his sight, and was hidden from him among the trees, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the seven hundred and thirty-first night, she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Prince Ardashir, who lay hid in the garden, saw the princess and her nurse walking among the trees, he swooned away for very love-longing. When he came to himself, Hayat al-Nufus had passed from his sight, and was hidden from him among the trees. So he sighed from his heart-core, and improvised these couplets. Whenas mine eyes behold her loveliness, my heart is torn with love's own ecstasy. I wake o'erthrown, cast down on face of earth, nor can the princess my soul torment see. She turned, and ravished this sad love-thralled sprite. Mercy, by Allah, Ruth, nay, sympathy, 
o lord afford me union deign thou soothe my soul ere grave niche house this course of me i'll kiss her ten times ten times and times ten for lover's wasted cheek the kisses be the woman ceased not to lead the princess a pleasuring about the garden till they reached the place where the prince lay ambushed when behold she said o thou whose bounties are hidden vouchsafe us assurance from that we fear the king's son hearing the signal left his lurking-place and surprised by the summons walked among the trees swaying to and fro with a proud and graceful gait and a shape that shamed the branches his brow was crowned with pearly drops and his cheeks red as the afterglow extolled be allah the almighty in that he hath created when the king's daughter caught sight of him she gazed a long while on him and noticed his beauty and grace and loveliness and his eyes that wantoned like the gazelles and his shape that outvied the branches of the marubalan wherefore her wits were confounded and her soul captivated and her heart transfixed with the arrows of his glances then she said to the old woman o oh, my nurse whence came yonder handsome youth and the nurse asked where is he o oh, my lady there he is answered hayat al nufus near hand among the trees the old woman turned right and left as if she knew not of his presence and cried and pray who can have taught this youth the way into the garden quoth hayat al nufus who shall give us news of the young man Glory be to him who created men. But say me, dost thou know him, O my nurse? Quoth the old woman, O my lady, he is the young merchant who wrote to thee by me. The princess, and indeed she was drowned in the sea of her desire, and the fire of her passion and love-longing, broke out, O my nurse, how goodly is this youth! Indeed he is fair of favour. Methinks there is not on the face of the earth a goodlier than he now when the old woman was assured that the love of him had gotten possession of the princess she said to her did i not tell thee o my lady that he was a comely youth with a burning favour replied hayat al nufus o my nurse king's daughters know not the ways of the world nor the manners of those that be therein for they company with none neither give nor take they o oh, my nurse how shall i do to bring about a meeting and present myself to him and what shall i say to him and what will he say to me said the old woman what device has left me indeed we were confounded in this matter by thy behaviour and the princess said o oh, my nurse know thou that if any ever died of passion i shall do so and behold i look for nothing but death on the spot by reason of the fire of my love-longing when the old woman heard her words and saw the transport of her desire for him she answered o oh, my lady now as for his coming to thee there is no way therein and indeed thou art excused from going to him because of thy tender age but rise with me and follow me i will accost him so shalt thou not be put to shame and in the twinkling of an eye affection shall ensue between you the king's daughter cried go thou before me for the decree of allah may not be rejected accordingly they went up to the place where adashia sat as he were the full moon at its fullest and the old woman said to him see o youth who is present before thee 
"'Tis the daughter of our king of the age, Hayat al-Nufus. Bethink thee of her rank, and appreciate the honour she doth thee in coming to thee, and rise out of respect to her, and stand before her. The prince sprang to his feet in an instant, and his eyes met her eyes, whereupon they both became as they were drunken without wine. Then the love of him and desire redoubled upon the princess, and she opened her arms, and he his, and they embraced. But love-longing and passion overcame them, and they swooned away and fell to the ground, and lay a long while without sense. The old woman, fearing scandalous exposure, carried them both into the pavilion, and sitting down at the doors, said to the two waiting-women, Seize the occasion to take your pleasure in the garden, for the princess sleepeth. So they returned to their diversion. Presently the lovers revived from their swoon, and found themselves in the pavilion, whereat quoth the prince, Allah upon thee, O princess of fair ones, is this vision or sleep illusion? Then the twain embraced, and intoxicated themselves without wine, complaining to each other of the anguish of passion, and the prince improvised these couplets. Sun riseth sheen from her brilliant brow, and her cheek shows the rosiest afterglow, and when both appear to the looker on, the skyline star ne'er for shame will show. And the leaven flash from those smiling lips, morn breaks, and the rays dusk and gloom o'erthrow. And when, with her graceful shape she sways, droops leafiest bantry for envy low. Me her sight suffices, naught crave I more, lord of men and morn, be her guard from foe. The full moon borrows a part of her charms, the sun would rival, but fails his low. Whence could Sol aspire to that bending grace? Whence should Luna see such wit and such mind-gifts know? Who shall blame me for being all love to her? Twixt accord and discord, I doomed to woe. Tis she won my heart with those forms that bend. What shall lover's heart from such charms defend? And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the seven hundred and thirty-second night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the prince had made an end of his verses, the princess strained him to her bosom, and kissed him on the mouth and between the eyes, whereupon his soul returned to him, and he fell to complaining to her that he had endured for stress of love, and tyranny of longing, and excess of transport and distraction, and all he had suffered for the hardness of her heart. Hearing these words, she kissed his hands and feet, and bared her head, whereupon the gloom gathered, and the full moons dawned therein. Then said she to him, O my beloved, and term of all my wishes, would the day of estrangement had never been, and Allah grant that it may never return between us. And they embraced, and wept together, while she recited these couplets. O who shamest the moon and the sunny glow, thou whose slaughtering tyranny lays me low, with the sword of a look thou hast shorn my heart, how escape thy sword-glance fatal of blow? Thus eke are thine eyebrows, a bow that shot, my bosom with shafts of fiercest low. From thy cheeks rich crop cometh paradise, how then shall my heart the rich crop forego? 
thy graceful shape is a blooming branch and shall pluck the fruit who shall bear that bough perforce thou drawest me robst my sleep in thy love i strip me and shameless show allah lend thee the rays of most righteous light draw the farthest near and a tryst bestow then have ruth on the vitals thy love hath seared and the heart that flies to thy side the bow and when she ended her recitation passion overcame her and she was distraught for love and wept copious tears rain-like streaming down this burnt the prince's heart and he in turn became troubled and distracted for love of her so he drew nearer to her and kissed her hands and wept with sore weeping and they ceased not from lover approaches and converse and versifying until the call to mid-afternoon prayer nor was there aught between them other than this when they bethought them of parting and she said to him o light of mine eyes and core of my heart the time for severance has come between us twain when shall we meet again by allah replied he and indeed her words shot him as with shafts to mention of parting i am never fain then she went forth of the pavilion and he turned and saw her sighing sighs that would melt the rock and weeping shower-like tears whereupon he for love was sunken in the sea of desolation and improvised these couplets o oh, my heart's desire grows my misery from the stress of love and what cure for me by thy face like dawn when it lights the dark and thy hair whose hue beareth night-tides blee and thy form like the branch which in grace inclines to zephyr's breath blowing fain and free by the glance of thine eyes like the fawn's soft gaze when she fused pursuer of high degree and thy waist down-borne by the weight of hips these so heavy and that lacking gravity by the wine of thy lip-dew the sweetest of drink fresh water and musk in its purity o gazelle of the tribe ease my soul of grief and grant me thy phantom in sleep to see now when she heard his verses in praise of her she turned back to him and embracing him with a heart on fire for the anguish of severance fire which naught save kisses and embraces might quench cried soothe the byword saith patience is for a lover and not the lack thereof there is no help for it but i contrive a means for our reunion then she farewelled him and fared forth knowing not where she set her feet for stress of her love nor did she stay her steps till she found herself in her own chamber when she was gone passion and love-longing redoubled upon the young prince and the delight of sleep was forbidden him and the princess in her turn tasted not food and her patience failed and she sickened for desire as soon as dawned the day she sent for the nurse who came and found her condition changed and she cried question me not of my case for all i suffer is due to thy handiwork where is the beloved of my heart o my lady when did he leave thee hath he been absent for thee more than this night can i endure absence from him an hour come find some means to bring us together speedily for my soul is like to flee my body o my lady have patience till i contrive thee some subtle device whereof none shall beware by the great god 
except thou bring him to me this very day i will tell the king that thou hast corrupted me and he will cut off thy head i conjure thee by allah have patience with me for this is a dangerous matter and the nurse humbled herself to her till she granted her three days delay saying o my nurse the three days shall be three years to me and if the fourth day pass and thou bring him not i will go about to slay thee so the old woman left her and returned to her lodging where she abode till the morning of the fourth day when she summoned the tirewomen of the town and sought of them fine dyes and rouge for the painting of a virgin girl and adorning and they brought her cosmetics of the best then she sent for the prince and opening her chest brought out a bundle containing a suit of woman's apparel worth five thousand dinars and a headkerchief fringed with all manner gems then she said to him o my son hast thou a mind to foregather with hayat al-nufus and he replied yes so she took a pair of tweezers and pulled out the hairs of his face and penciled his eyes with coal then she stripped him and painted him with henna from his nails to his shoulders and from his insteps to his thighs and tattooed him about the body till he was like red roses upon alabaster slabs after a little she washed him and dried him and bringing out a shift and a pair of petticoat trousers made him put them on then she clad him in the royal suit aforesaid and binding the kerchief about his head veiled him and taught him how to walk saying advance thy left and draw back thy right he did her bidding and forewent her as he were a houri faring abroad from paradise then she said to him fortify thy heart for thou art going to the king's palace where there will without fail be guards and eunuchs at the gate and if thou be startled at them and show doubt or dread they will suspect thee and examine thee and we shall both get into grievous trouble and haply lose our lives wherefore an thou feel thyself unable to this tell me he answered in very sooth this thing hath no terrors for me so be of good cheer and keep thine eyes cool and clear then she went out preceding him till the twain came to the palace gate which was full of eunuchs she turned and looked at him as much as to say art thou troubled or no and finding him all unchanged went on the chief eunuch glanced at the nurse and knew her but seeing a damsel following her whose charms confoundeth the reason he said in his mind as for the old woman she is the nurse but as for the girl who is with her there is none in our land resembleth her in favour or approacheth her in fairness save the princess hayat al nufus who is secluded and never goes out would i knew how she came into the streets and would heaven i wot whether or no twas by leave of the king then he rose to learn somewhat concerning her and well nigh thirty castratos followed him which when the old woman saw her reason fled for fear and she said verily we are allah's and to him we shall return without recourse we are dead folk this time and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say End of section thirty two